Did he say Rock yes? and roll, yeah, dude. Like we're this is our real we're a real we have an audience, a producer, a character, and a host. <laughs> this is actually not products of grace. This is the products of grace show. It is. This is the products of grace hour. Is that mine? No, you were a you were a special guest on the Products of Grace hour. With I was leaning on Lawson. Oh, yeah. So it's like it's like we're a we're a production brand. Products of Grace brand. And our flagship PAG. show is Products of Grace. And there's all these other ones. And there's all these other ones. Leaning on Lawson. Lawson's liturgy. We. Every other every other show has to have your name in it. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> I am gonna. I really am gonna change my Twitter handle. How's that to meant? Huh? How's that meant? It's good. Are you waiting for it to go away before we start? I guess. Welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast by Mercy Hill Church. My name is Lawson Harlow, and with me today I have Don Terrell and just Don Terrell, just me. So Don, what are we doing today? Well, today. We have an audience, a producer. Do you want to introduce? You said you wanted to do. I would this. like to take a moment to specially thank uh, the fine folks, the fine folks over at Three Two Three Audio Engineering, <laughs> and their faithful labor in the Lord <laughs> of watching three hundred and seventy six YouTube videos <laughs> and mastering something that they had never done before. Yeah. So here we are. Here we are. As a plug to them, for all of your woodworking needs, yeah. <laughs> reach out to 323 Woodworking. Yes. So I think today, <clears throat> this, this marks the beginning of a new era. Era? Yeah. Okay. Within our podcast. I, I've been contacted numerous times about the quality of the sound. I'm not doing this again. And the dips and the highs and the lows. And people kept asking, who's producing? And I said, Lawson is. And they said they have needed to relay a message. It was trash. So again, it, it, it just means we're super thankful for the beginning of a new era. So what are we doing today? The title of today's episode is Just Read the Letter. Okay. <laughs> so here we go. So this past Sunday, you know, this podcast is always really built around what's happened in the past week yes. or so. And the material seems to provide itself. So I have super sweaty hands, and so I'm standing in the back of the church Sunday, and so my ritual is people want to come up and shake hands because that's culturally normal. True. And my hands are like dripping down my elbows sweaty. That's disgusting. It is, but that's my life. Are they really that bad? And so like I'm putting Uh. the knuckles up to people like, you know, like, and everybody thinks I think now like I'm scared of COVID. Don't give me your germs. Yeah. And I was like, it's not about germs. I've been, I've been offering Sunday morning knuckle bumps before a pandemic was a pandemic. Right. And so uh, Craig Weaver was standing there next to me and he goes, He's watching me do this. Like I'm, I'm knuckle bumping everybody. Going, I got sweaty hands, man. Just trying to save you from it. For the people that may or may not know, and he's like, dude, you're, you're so full disclosure. Like you're an open book, you know. Like, and I was like, well, it just saves everybody, like this uncomfortable interaction. And so, uh, Christian Cross comes up and knuckle bumps me. So we're just done with nicknames. Yeah. Okay. And cool. Craig was like, 
have you ever shaken his hand? Have you ever shook his hand? And, and Christian goes, oh yeah, dude. And put his tongue out like he was licking his hand and he was like super sloppy wet. That's disgusting. <laughs> that makes me think of um, that song, How He Loves Us. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in Africa, like you have to be careful where you go in Africa, like on a mission trip or just visiting in general because in some parts of Africa, it's customary for men to hold hands while they walk together. Yeah. Are you aware of this? Yeah, I am. I would literally like, that's a phobia. Of holding hands? Yeah, holding hands. In general or? Uh, probably just in general, but especially in like community or fellowship or interpersonal interactions. <laughs> so, so no kumbaya for you. Oh, no. No, <laughs> none at all. Do you have anything like that, Lawson? Weird phobias? Yeah. Uh, everybody that knows me that spent any time with me knows that I have a tremendous phobia of zombies. What? Real life. Real life. Like, so I have a, there's a story behind it. Can you watch zombie movies? No. You can't. I cannot watch zombie movies. I cannot play zombie video games. Wow. There was a Verizon commercial in mm. which the zombie comes in to change its uh, phone plan. Oh, that's right. And the ear falls <gasps> off. Literally can't watch it. <laughs> cannot watch it. What is, where did this start? So at? when I was young, my brother's nine years older than me. So I was, I don't know, five, six. So he was, you know, almost 18. And he was playing Resident Evil 2. I played that in college. And he locked me in the room and made me watch him play. <laughs> and he intentionally died multiple times so that he could uh, impress upon me great fear and terror, apparently, for upwards of 30 years. Wow. Does he know that he's instilled this in you? Yes. He does. Yeah. But, you know, it's like a, it's, a, it's a major mocking point at this point for a very large number of people. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So do you ever see, serious question, Hard pivot, as we say. Do you ever see an equivalence with your sin, with the sins of the people which are brutally recorded for us in the letters of Scripture? Like, like do you see them commit acts, and then do, do you ever... You know, I think it's like often like we approach Scripture and we look at the sins of others as the sins of others. Yeah. And it's like... I, look at that idiot and we don't oh, yeah, ever certainly, like certainly say like if I, not for the grace I, of god I literally literally hate or to, or yeah. like that's me yeah i hate to do this because it gives you fuel and it bothers me when i give you fuel <laughs> but every time that that i think i've ever heard anyone speak about the exodus and then the people on the other side acting like idiots and it's all like those morons it's like <laughs> yeah, I think it, that. it's like us morons <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Wretched sinners. Yeah, actually, yeah. So that that's always one that stands out to me. Okay, so my my whole point is, it's not like that we see them, that we revel in them, but rather we find, or like that we even find comfort in them. Yeah, but I think we find comfort, or at least personally, comfort of knowing the joy that we experience in blessed is the man who no longer has his sins counted against him. Yeah, and so it's like when you get this whole account in Scripture and you see what has been forgiven sufficiently by the blood of Christ at the cross of Christ. So we were in the pastor's parlor, and I quoted that. I think I, I, we were working through this past Sunday. Like yeah. I, I said something along the lines of, you know, that there's a there's a verse I think in Romans six where it says that Paul's writing to us, but he's specifically categorizing the reminder of 
put to death, essentially, yeah. what's evil yeah, yeah, in yeah, you. Yeah. But he says, I'm speaking to you as people who are in the flesh, essentially, like, because right. of your natural limitations. And I said, um, I said, so we wage a holy war. Right. Like, definitely. But you paused, and as I mentioned the fact that many Christians can and do experience a season of great temptation, yeah, and like even committing acts, which we look to Scripture and find many of the men and women in the pages of Scripture yeah. committing, yeah, like we're reading actively, they're committing. I mentioned his adultery and his murder. David's. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how he was living through that. Right. And I think you were going to say something, but you stopped yourself. Do you expect me to remember what no, I said? Uh, so I'm going to provide it for you. Okay. So I'm going to take a guess. You were going to say, correct me if I'm wrong, he seemingly lived his whole life in sin. Well, I mean, the answer is yes, he did. He did? Yeah, certainly. As we all do. Yes. Yeah. But isn't it interesting that we get this perception of like David's sin obviously being his sin, but it's like we can't find an equivalence that like I've either committed the same thing or that I'm, and so I'm guilty of it, or I'm capable of it. Oh, yeah, certainly. Yeah, certainly. So, when is the last time, another hard pivot. Holy moly. When okay. is the last time someone wrote you a letter? Can you recall it? Uh, I actually have a letter waiting for me at home right now that really? I have not read. Yeah. From? Um, a great uncle. Interesting. Yep. He writes me a letter on, well, it arrives at the end of June, the beginning of July, every year. What's the my birthday and now Rowan's? I have two letters sitting there. Wow. Yep. Faithful. Do Brown. you think that there's any other medium that expresses sincerity better than the written letter? Yes. You do. I really do. Okay. So tell me what it is. Um. I. So I. And maybe it's my generation. So let me say this: yeah. like in 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 an absence, right? Like you can't physically be there. What yeah. can you do to communicate? Yeah, and so this is so, and so I think letters mark occasions. Okay, so the last I write letters on very specific occasions where I feel like something needs to be communicated that needs to be preserved. Okay, um, I can think of a couple of times I've written a letter over the last. So it's like a memorial. It's a stake in the ground. It's a pillar. Yeah, 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 okay. or a charge. Okay, most of the time when I write them, they're charges. It's a charge. <laughs> yeah, for someone else. Yeah. Okay. Um, actually, every time I've written a letter in the last probably two years it's been to men who are marking a very specific moment in their life that are also ministers. Huh. Um, I, I don't know why. Ministers just, like in the full-time pastoral sense. Yeah, or pursuing it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I, so I, I know this sounds, you know, at this point, it's like the generation that I'm in, this may so sound we're working through cliche. two things. Okay. Letters and full disclosure. Okay. So don't hold anything back. Yeah, so, so full disclosure, I text... I text people um, throughout throughout the day, based upon normally. Uh, I mean, we I pray for the congregation regularly and stuff like that. But every so often, there's someone who specifically brought to mind, and I instantly send them a text. There are people that I text on Sunday um, that um, are not here, mm. um, and it grieves me that they aren't. Mm. Um, and it's and that's not just like people. Okay, like it's members. not a guilt grief. No, no, it's no. Like it's a, not, it's, and it's frankly yeah. sometimes it's not even members of this congregation. Right. Um, and it's just I, I want them to know that I'm thinking about them and I'm praying for them. Um, most of the time, it's people who are at a different area in the world that mm. I they've reached out to me and expressed concern about some difficulties in their own mm -hmm. life. And I just you know normally like I, I experience such a grace 
inside of the gathering of this church that I mm. want people to experience that everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so one of the easiest ways for me to do that is to is to reach out and to encourage them as they've gathered with their local church. There's still grace to be had there, even if there's mm. difficulties. Um, and so that's one of the... I, I, the reason I like that is... So because, you think that's a more meaningful medium of expression that conveys like importance more so, so a text more so than a letter. Yeah, but I, but I, I just, I'm repeating it because yeah, I'm yeah. like, are you but hearing yourself? Yeah, no, I understand <laughs> that, but it's a different, it's a different execution, right? Okay. Like it, it's in the moment. Certainly it's, it's in the moment. It's precise and it's normally accompanied by prayer. Mm. And so it's like these two things just happened. I'm telling you, I want you to know that. I want you to be encouraged. Um, and so while I, while I, I get a letter and I'm, and I hope that the letters that I've written are still like someone still has them. Mm-hmm. But I, for me, when I, if I'm trying to communicate affection, encouragement, I do, I traditionally go with the text. Okay. So I, um, so uh, I wrote a letter <laughs> and I put it in a time capsule. Did, oh. And so it went into, um, uh, Bailey was in second grade. Yep. And it went into a Pringles can. That was the time capsule. And it was a school project. Mm -hmm. And so everything had to go in the time capsule. And it was like clippings from the newspaper and different things. And so, um, you know, I penned a letter and I I recalled like doing it, but I I couldn't recall like what I wrote. And so we we were set to open it on his graduation. Yeah. And so on his graduation, after the ceremony of graduating high school, we're sitting in my den and, you know, seasons have changed. Yeah. Uh, Julie's dad was sick and in the hospital. And so they were unable to be there. Uh, he was still battling cancer. Yeah. And so my parents were there and Julie was there and Noel was there and Bailey was there and he was sitting kind of in the center of the, uh, of the room and opening this time capsule. Yeah. And every member of the family had written a letter and put it in the time capsule. Oh, wow. And so everybody's reading these letters. And so it gets to my letter and I, I'm hearing myself and I'm being transported back yeah. to the moment in which I wrote it. And I could remember that season of life, you know, just full disclosure, open book. I can remember that season of life, you know, not believing the words that I was writing Mm. to my son, you know, wanting like all these good things for him. Like, I want you to grow up and happy family and be, you know, uh, go on to aspire to your, you know, accomplish your dreams. And uh, so I'm hearing him read this, you know, and I know what I'm capable of. Like, I know the depth of my depravity. So you're talking about your persuasive ability? Yes. Yeah. Not um, manipulation. Persuasion. Not manipulation, but also just like my flesh, you know, my yeah. flesh. Yeah. And so like there was a season in our marriage, in Julie and I's marriage, you know, that uh, we struggled. Yeah. You know, uh, struggled and even struggled with commitment to one another. Yeah. Struggled with uh, would it survive? Yeah. Was it worth surviving for? Was it worth living through? And, you know, I remember writing that letter to him in that season of just doubt and questioning and hearing my words just brought me to tears Yeah, because it was all of these things that I was writing to him that I thought was a lie. Mm. And so it was like this moment where, you know, just reminded of, you know, God's prevenient grace, you know, these things that my children would never 
Is that a word? You're looking at me funny. I literally hate that term, but we can discuss that at a different point. Well, it's just like the things that, I mean, we can we can categorize it however you want yeah, to. Yeah. The things that could have come to pass, right? It's like sure. man's depravity yeah. knows no bounds, but we don't see those things actually come all the way to fruition in mm. all of humanity. So yeah. what restrains that? Yeah. God's good grace. Is that what you would call that? Or his goodness? Yeah, his goodness and his kindness. Okay. Yeah. So... His prevenient grace. <laughs> so, hold on. I'm sorry. I have multiple so, categories category, of grace. Category moment. Category Lawson moment. Lawson will not admit the There's common all, grace. You don't, you, don't, you don't want what you just said. So, prevenient grace is often interpreted as the means by which God is actively drawing all people unto salvation ineffectually. Excuse me, preventative grace. Okay, there we go. Sorry. There sorry. We go. Yeah. I was like, so I preventative don't, no, grace no. would be a restraining grace yeah. of not letting me or Julie or any Absolutely. other person yeah, actually yeah, yeah. reach out to the full capability capacity of yeah. our flesh, you know, Absolutely. even, even as being a redeemed individual, yeah. right? The and praise, the Lord, always, and praise yes. the Lord for that in every, in all yes. of its capacities. So I'm hearing this letter being read yeah. and like you're fast forwarding. I don't know, man, what is that? Like 12, 13 yeah. years in advance. And Julie and I had, you know, had experienced revival and, uh, forgiveness yeah. with each other and a renewal. I tell people that our marriage literally came from beauty from ashes. Yeah. You know? And so I was just thinking about, <laughs> you know, I was thinking about recalling. I wish that those shorts you were wearing were in the ashes. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> That's my new style. So as that, as that letter was read, I start to ball cry. Yeah. Just absolutely. This is everybody's there? Everybody's there. Oh, good times. And I'm a cut up. And so Julie and the kids and my parents think I'm hamming it up. Oh, you're like, trolling? Yeah. Like oh, think, God. I literally had to leave the room. Mm. Like leave the room to gather myself because I was face to face with the acts of a gracious king. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like I knew sitting there writing that letter what I forecasted and what I thought. Yeah. And to see something come to fruition that I didn't think was possible. Yeah. Like it's like looking at... It's looking at, in my mind, a, 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 a miracle. You know, it's like yeah. I did not believe. It's, you know, I, I don't know how to explain well, that. Well, I, I, mean, I mean, I'm thinking about, I mean, you think about the old man and not only, not only the old man who died at justification, but the, you know, I, I think I said last podcast, you know, I was 18 and I was an idiot and I knew nothing. And it's like the sanctifying work of the spirit it, it gives you like this brief glimpse of who you were, uh, 12 years ago mm. and sanctification working through those 12 mm. years brings you in and you're a different man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I recall full disclosure. I recall my mother in a quarrel in a fight with my father <laughs> saying in her moment of distress, I married the wrong person. Oof. And so it's like almost a glimpse into not the pages of scripture, but the pages of someone else's life yeah. that I was like first person witness w witnessing reading it and yeah. living in it and you know the the idea is like oh my gosh like how like how like how like how did that how do you get there like yeah. how do you get how do you get there and, and you're so, talking, how do you get to the point where you're saying that mm -hmm. okay yeah just like rhetorical question yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? and so for me it's like with with julie and i in my own marriage like we're both guilty I was in that moment judging my mother for doing that. Yeah. And fast forward, and guess oh, and what? I'm I, doing the same thing. I'm doing the exact yeah. same thing. 
And so uh, Bailey and I have never really talked about this as a family, nor Julie. And so he recollected this moment in his life. Oh. And said, you know, I, I lived through that. He's doing, bro, we're going through the same thing. It's yeah. the craziest thing. And I was listening to him and he was actually, you know, kind of sharing his perspective with mm-hmm. it. And the only thing I had to encourage him with was the blood of Jesus. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I said, brother, like, y- you know, I, I witnessed this in my own life. And if you've witnessed this in, in our lives, I can only tell you that those sins are paid for. Yeah. And that they're covered with the blood of Christ and they're blood bought. Um, so today, what are we doing today? Mm-hmm. So today, um, I will read a letter I recently wrote to a loved one who got married. Oh. So okay. I wrote a letter. I put it in a card. I felt like I had the opportunity to do it because I put a check and put money in there. You know, so it's like, yeah, it's your, it's yours. Yeah, it's my yeah, envelope. Yeah, yeah. I put whatever I want yeah, to. Yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. If I put money in it, yeah, it's like I can put whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so here, so here's my idiom. So with that, Lawson, it's a red letter day. Oh man, get it. Get Please it? tell me this is, re- oh, it's not. I was hoping that you had printed the letter you're about to read in red. No. Here we go. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep these people anonymous. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so here we go. I write not only to say congratulations, but also to share some wisdom accumulated in my own 21 years of marriage. I never understood divorce and its real possibility in any marriage until I got married myself. To be so mm. in love with the one that it was as if in my mind, divorce was an unfathomable reality or possibility for my own marriage. Julie and I heard the same words from our friends and family as every couple does. You deserve happiness. I'm certain you have experienced the fleeting nature of happiness. I recall a quote I repeat often. Happiness is the moment before you need more happiness. I have a personal quote that I tell anyone getting married or contemplating marriage. Marriage isn't meant to make you happy. It's meant to make you holy. Any comments? Any thoughts? Yeah. You've, you've you've taken to task that quote before. With the happiness, the word happiness. One? Yeah. Well, I, I, that's understanding what you're saying there. I wouldn't. I wouldn't assault that. Like I'm a worldly just, happiness. Yeah. I want to. I want to reclaim the word happy. But I'm. You know me. Words have meanings, okay. and I want them all back. Okay. Um. But but. Do I get to talk about anything that you just yeah, read? you okay. can. I'm going to come up for air like we do with okay. other articles. This yeah. is my work. This is he's like <laughs> uh, this Don. Um. So. Uh, you know, the, I think one of the most important things that we've forgotten is that very phrase that marriage is meant to make you happy. It's not, mm. it can't, and it won't. Mm. Um, and, and it's not to say that you will not like, I, I, I you know, you know, we kind of have different, really different experiences in marriage. You know, mm-hmm. I was, we, the Lord was very kind early on in our marriage and we've, you know, been able to grow together, love the Lord together. Certainly we've had difficult moments, but we've just we were, I mean, the Lord prepared us for him. Right. But I think the major thing that prevented that was a paper that I, and this is weird. This is what the, when the Lord taught me, this is my very first paper I ever wrote in seminary was on marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, Beth and I had gotten, we had started dating and we broke up. And for some reason that just like sent me on this trajectory of Mm -hmm. understanding what marriage and relationships were meant to be, because I had only seen, seen them in my own life, right. Mm -hmm. Done poorly. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was the moment where I spent time, this is one of those weird, like strange 
borderline like charismatic moment so this is weird uh, so <laughs> like if somebody is, walked in and told you this now you would be like i don't know about i didn't you. Do, no no it's, i didn't do that oh, okay. um but so i would i was in grenada and i would i would go kayaking all the time i had a waterproof bible and i would take i would get my kayak the whole I'd, thing was waterproof yeah that, that exists wow. yeah it's cool um bad translation but still cool um but I would take I would take my waterproof Bible and I'd go kayaking and I'd go to this little island in the middle of Grenada Lake and I'd sit there and I'd read and it was always a good time. But you know, there was just one of those moments when I was, as I was reading through Ephesians 5 there that it was like, it all just hit me. Mm. And it's like, I've misunderstood this whole thing. Hmm. From start to end, I've misunderstood this. I've always been looking. This being? Marriage. Mm. Marriage relationships in general because mm-hmm. I had, you can ask my mother this. I've been trying to get married since I was 14. Mm-hmm. Really, I had, I'm like, that's just, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And and I think it was because I wanted I wanted the happiness mm-hmm. that that brought. Mm-hmm. And it was when I was reading through Ephesians 5 and preparing to write that paper when I realized it's like, no, this hasn't been about mm-hmm. my happiness. Mm-hmm. It's been about God satisfying mm-hmm. uh, or, or God bringing about his intent of sanctification in my mm-hmm. life so that I might be mm-hmm. more holy before him. And if mm-hmm. I grasp that... Mm-hmm. It changes I, everything. It changes everything. Because now, if I'm not happy... And things are difficult, and they're and they're and they're strained, and they're stressful. Mm. You know the purpose. I say, okay, so mm. the Lord is using my wife in a way that I would not have picked, <laughs> right? Right. To conform me to the image of Christ, right. and to that I say, praise be to God. Mm. And if it's to show me the grace of God and giving me a wife that loves me and cares for me and strengthens me and does all those things, then praise be to God. He's showing me what the church looks like mm. when it's been washed by the blood of Jesus. Mm. Like he's showing me these things here. Mm. And when he does, it's like, well, praise be to God. Mm. I'm being disciplined by mm. his hand mm. um, or I'm being nurtured by it. And mm. either or, I have his hand. Mm. All right. So, in, so my letter goes on. To quote Don. To quote Don. In Christian marriage, it's not as if our marriages shouldn't satisfy us with with joy, but our own happiness must bow to something else. Our personal happiness should bow to God's holiness. Mm. Julie and I have faced our own set of difficult circumstances, often self-inflicted, but painful nonetheless. We have discovered there is a struggle in marriage, and it's common to all marriages. We each want our own way, and often our own way is marked by desiring what we want personally. Yeah. The book of James explains it like this in James 4, 1 through 3. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you, he mm-hmm. asked. Is it not that this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to mm-hmm. spend it on your passions. So I say, murder seems like a strong end result in which James reminds us, but remember the words of Christ. Everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, which means that if we have hate or anger in our hearts towards each other, we have committed the root sin of murder. Pay close attention to what makes us fight and quarrel with each other, our own passions and desires. Okay, this is, yeah. So do you have a comment on that before I make one? You know, this is just crazy because I think even in that moment, Scripture knows who we want to blame it on. Like the devil made me do it. And you know how Scripture rebukes you? He says, no, your your flesh. Mm-hmm. Like these are the desires of your flesh. Like this is what gives way. Like yeah. I think even like when we, the first temptation that we go to is to either not identify that we're capable of it. Yeah. Or if we commit it, then we blame it on a third party and scapegoat it. Yep. Anyways. So self-centeredness. Mm. 
they're two great sanct. I mean, I, I think there are multiple sanctifiers, but I think there's two really clear ones that that maybe maybe almost not so much sanctifying as identifying. Mm. Um, the two greatest identi- identifiers in my life for my own self-centeredness have been my marriage mm. and Rowan. Mm. It's like, I mean, it's like, oh, I'm not self-centered at all. If I'm living by myself, what are you talking about? I have no self-centeredness at all because I always get exactly what I want and there's no contest anyway. What do you want for dinner? I pick. Well, how do I want to spend this dollar? I do what I want. And there's this moment, I think, inside of marriage. And I'll tell you, this was probably something that took me longer uh, to, to see because we had no money to be uh, selfish with anyway. <laughs> and, um, and so like, as we, as we grew up together and that was the joy of getting married so young too, you know, you kind of grew up together, but you know, we grew up together and I'm seeing as I get to like my last days in seminary or, um, you know, even doing ministry and places like that, you know, I just realized, my goodness, I, I really do tend to put my needs first. Mm. And the longer I put my needs first, the longer I expect her or the more I expect her to put my needs before her own. Mm. But you know what's funny? At that point, I'm, I'm, I'm entitled. Mm. And it's no longer a gracious gift from Beth. And it's no longer a, a, um, a blessing to have a wife who says... Yeah, the taste has lost its yeah, tastefulness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, so the way I always illustrate this to Beth is sometimes the dishes are in the sink and I have ever like I'm I'm literally waiting for her to go somewhere else so that I can do them, and I'm so pumped about this. Like I'm like, yes, I'm gonna do the dishes. <laughs> I'm and, gonna be and, and I'm gonna do this to the glory of God. And I like seriously, like internally, I'm joyous about this. Right. And then she'll say, Hey, honey, will you do the dishes? Uh, and it's like I don't do them anymore. I can relate. I don't want to do them anymore. I can tell. And it's relate. all because it's all because now I've been asked, and the whole premise is I just wanted to honor you and to love you without you asking. Right. 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 And, but the moment it becomes a, an expectation, a command. yeah, it's like, man, I've just got robbed of joy. Yeah. But so here's kind of what I did, you know, my, and I hate to use career, but that's kind of what it is, right? Like me pursuing ministry, me pursuing seminary, planting Mercy Hill, all of this was stuff that I went to Beth. We had conversations about, you know, and Beth said, if you want to do that, let's do it. Uh, Mercy Hill took her a bit more convincing, just to be honest. It was, you know, it's a scary thing. You got nothing. Nobody's there. And it's like a church is going to appear out of thin air. <laughs> That's what it is. And best like, is food going to appear out of thin air? Um, but, but she was always sacrificial. But there was a moment when I realized she doesn't have to be. She could be selfish. She could, she could, um, she could be bitter at me for doing various things. To she could be bitter at me for not being an attorney. That was a very clear career path for me. I mm-hmm. could have taken, but you mm-hmm. know, we wanted to honor the Lord and, and pursue this. And so, but when I realized that it's a gift of grace that she would be self-sacrificial and put others, at least in this case, me, namely mm-hmm. before herself, and mm-hmm. vice versa, mm-hmm. that both of these things are happening. Like, and if they're both happening, then what's the real thing that's occurring? is God is sanctifying us by saying, kill your passions then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because your passions only bring about dissension. Because mm-hmm. if I'm white-knuckling something, it's like, you can have everything but this. Mm-hmm. It's idolatry. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, it makes me think of that verse that we've discussed recently. Is It's this concept of covetousness is idolatry. Mm-hmm. And my thought is always, what am I coveting? Mm. What do I want that I don't have? Mm-hmm. Because normally that's why I'm holding on to something mm-hmm. so tightly. So I go on to say, if our ultimate aim in marriage is personal happiness and its responsibility is that of our spouse, you will find disappointment. Mm. Perhaps in your disappointment. If our ultimate aim in marriage is personal happiness and its responsibility is that mm. of our spouse, you will find disappointment. 
Are you going to keep going on that thread? Yeah, it says, perhaps in your disappointment, you will seek counsel from the same people who have told you over and over again, you deserve happiness, quote unquote, or you deserve the world, quote unquote. Mm. They may, in your moment of distress, offer these things as supreme above all else. If you believe this, then you will consider in that moment that perhaps you married the wrong person. Oh my goodness. There is, this is, first of all, good letter. Um, I haven't even, you got, you got two pages left. I'm saying that I got, I got a whole page left. That's it. Well, the, you know, the major thing there is idolatry always abuses what it idolizes. Mm, it's object always. And mm. so like, if you read, if you, so if you read the prophets, they mock men who take trees you know, they, they, they cut the tree down, they make, mm-hmm. they build, you know, build a house, they light it on fire for mm-hmm. warmth, they use it for cooking, and they make an idol out of it. Which one's the abuse? Make the idol. The idol, yeah. The idol's the abuse. Mm-hmm. Burn the wood. Mm-hmm. Use it for a house. Use it for the way that God intended it to be used. Mm-hmm. The moment you begin to use it in a way that God has not prescribed, it's lost its value, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you're both going to uh, hate yourself. This, this mm. is, remember, this is going, going all the way back to Romans 1, right? <laughs> Idolatry is both, is, is, is self-destructive. Mm. Um, it, it's the, what is, uh, what was the quote? It bears the, the soul to one another and brings right. about shame. Yeah, it's the long war against God that mm. ultimately leads to the condemnation of self. Mm. And what you see in that, in idolatry with the, with the tree, is it's like, well, now I hate wood. Mm. And if you do it with your spouse, if you demand that your spouse make you happy, that mm. they're the object of your happiness, mm. you are both going to hate yourself mm-hmm. and you will despise your spouse. So this is interesting because this has been really helpful to me in my own, just, you know, in my own personal study and knowledge, yeah. you know, it's like, so now it's like, what are you coveting? You're coveting personal happiness. You're hating the object mm-hmm. that won't give it to you. Yeah. And in that moment, right? Yep. Christ says you've committed murder because you fight and you quarrel and you hate, you have hatred in your heart, then you've murdered, and then you're desiring maybe not someone else with a name. But a figment. And so there's the adultery. It's adultery and it's idolatry. And it's both. And I think this is is a super good, super important point because most of the time— our idols don't have images, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, the, and this is why I think the second commandment's really important as well. But that's a different to- topic. But you know, the first commandment, the whole concept is the very first thing you'll do is place place an invisible god above me. Mm. Uh, then you might give it an image, and that's a problem. But the you know, anyway, so leaving the second commandment alone. But the whole premise is covetousness led to idolatry. Mm-hmm. The, and, I, and I literally just had a conversation about this, that covetousness, the very first thing it does is make you hate what you have. Mm. It has to. Like, uh, I think I told you the story when I, when I had the, uh, my wreck in my truck. So I had a wreck in my truck and I was really grateful my truck stood the blow. But uh, shortly after that, this is shameful. Shortly after that, the new model of Jeep drove by me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like... Oh man! <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know what I noticed? I, this is really one of those did strange. You hatch a plan? One of those strange illustrations in my life. Really, it drove by me, and the very first thing I noticed was not that I loved the model of that Jeep. Mm. It's that I hated my truck mm. for the first time ever. Wow! For the very first time ever, I thought spoiler. I don't want this truck. Sad, isn't that? But but that's what covetousness does. Mm. That's why it's idolatry. Mm-hmm. And so to place this, so even, did you kill your truck? No, my truck. <laughs> no, my truck did go away, and, and I might drive a Jeep. But um, but the but the whole premise is, 
if you take this into the marriage relationship, you hate your you hate your spouse. That's right. Which is, as you've already mentioned, sin, mm-hmm. murder. Mm-hmm. Now let's throw this up another level. Mm-hmm. If we begin to covet things that the Lord has not given us, mm-hmm. the very first thing we will do is we will hate him. Mm. So my next paragraph is, I would remind you, God hates divorce. Yeah. Why does he hate divorce? It's because of the hardness of the heart. Yeah. The unwillingness to forgive one another. There is nothing, and I mean nothing, that either of you could do or commit against each other that should cause separation. Yes, yes, and amen. Not even infidelity. Yep. God permits divorce for those who have been unfaithful to one another, but because he allows it doesn't mean he still doesn't hate it. Yep. Why? God hates divorce because of the hardness of man's heart and his unwillingness to forgive one another. Mm. Must I remind you God loves you? Mm. What type of love has been lavished on you if you be in Christ and are his redeemed? The type of love that loved you even while you were yet a sinner, a sinner totally and wholly worthless. We must remind ourselves daily of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is I have been forgiven and experienced this gift by grace through faith, not works. Therefore, I'm compelled to love as I have been loved. Who am I to withhold forgiveness if the record of my sin's debt that stood against me has been canceled at the cross of Christ? Mm. I have no right. I have been bought with a price, and that price is the infinite worth of our almighty God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we just got done talking about hating. Yeah. But then it's interesting because it turns on its head, and it's like, do you hate what God hates? Because <laughs> if you'll align your priorities yeah. with what he hates, it seems like our love gets in line. Yeah, it does. It bows. It does. And it bows quickly. It does. And you know, one of the things you said in there that I think is just so helpful is you know you make the distinction between permission mm-hmm. and actually action, mm-hmm. and I think these are vastly different. And so you know, a while back I was at, I was dealing with this really difficult situation, which was how do I deal with an abusive parent? Mm. And it's like the the question that I kept asking myself was not not what's permissible, mm. but what's godly. Mm. And if I take and, and to that kind of question somehow became like a grid in which I make decisions at this point. It's like not is it beneficial, not is it profitable, not is it not sin, but is it godly? Mm. And um, and so I'm having a conversation with uh, people who are I, I've had like 364 marriage premarriage counseling <laughs> right, recently. Right. And I'm having this conversation, and, and you know, one of the things that came up was, well, I just figured adultery's it. Like, I'm out. Oh, if that happens, then I'm, I'm out, pulling done. the eject cord. Yeah, and, um, and, and, and I think that more people have that perspective than, mm-hmm. than let on. That's it. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know. And uh, my, my immediate uh, thing that I pointed them to was Hosea. Mm. The story of Hosea and Gomer lays out, and I think what's obviously the, the very clear picture is Hosea and Gomer, Gomer's an adulteress, a, mm-hmm. a serial mm-hmm. adulteress. Mm-hmm. Likely two of their children are from uh, adulterous relationships mm-hmm. and maybe more than one, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the command at the end of all of this is go back to her and woo her. And not mm. only woo her, but buy her. Mm. Like, the whole, like she's sold herself into slavery. That's good for, for the future. Um, she sold herself into slavery and you have to go purchase her out of that. Mm. And, and what does Hosea do? He does for Gomer that which God had did for, done for him. Mm-hmm. And he says, okay, I'll, I'll go get her. Why? Because, because you came and got me. Mm-hmm. And the whole premise here is it doesn't matter what you do. I'm responsible mm-hmm. as a husband mm-hmm. to pursue, to be faithful. I'm mm-hmm. responsible as a wife in the exact same way. Mm-hmm. I've entered into covenant mm-hmm. and I'm going to obey. I'm going to fulfill my mm-hmm. my 
my responsibilities inside of the covenant. And I tell you, even the, even the marriage vows that we do, they're really simple. Mm-hmm. You know what? There's literally one exit. Death. Till death do us part. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if we believe those vows, mm-hmm. why is it that divorce is so prevalent? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and even in the case of adultery, all of those things like, there, do we believe in the God who, these are the two things that I would say, do we believe in the God who reconciles and do we believe in the God who redeems? Mm. And if you don't, then you don't have a salvation. Mm. So um, on the heels of the last paragraph, I, just to recapture, it says, I have been bought with a price and that price is the infinite worth of our almighty God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yeah. It's from this truth that our obedience and marriage will be demonstrated to one another. There we find our holiness perfected in love to one another, not being slow to forgive, but not counting and not counting our sins against one another. It's here that we see our love for Christ be the supreme measure of our love for one another. The head of the marriage is called to love his bride as Christ loves the church and the bride seeing the type of love by which he loves her. Then she brings herself under glad submission to her groom. You will find no greater happiness this side of eternity other than when your marriage is filled with the testimony of Jesus Christ. I encourage you to stay committed to one another. Forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Please know that marriage isn't to be lived alone. Mm. Your accountability to one another should be lived out in the context of a local church, a church with members that will hold each of you accountable to the measure of holiness which should be lived out in your marriage. In your pursuit of holiness, there you will find no greater happiness. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite thing you do in premarriage counseling, is the emphasis on marriage inside of the church. Mm. Um, and even in a, a recent wedding you did, you emphasized the distinction of holy matrimony, which was really helpful to me, um, just because that emphasis does show distinctiveness, mm-hmm. um, and it shows, I think, even community mm. around around marriage. And, and just a couple of things that I wanted to bring up from what you just wrote. One was forgiveness. I hear this from time to time, and it's like, well, he's done this, or well, she's done this. Mm. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, obviously, is not pertaining to marriage, but it is pertaining to love inside of the body. And mm. so I think the clearest application of that is, uh, as Vody Bakum once said, your closest your closest uh, neighbor is your is your spouse, mm. and then your closest sister or brother is your husband or wife. Mm. Um, and if you're keeping record of wrong, mm. just ask yourself the question: Am I forgiving like Christ forgave me? Mm. Um, and I think the answer is a resounding no. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really do think that if you are living your life in a way and honoring the blood that bought you mm. in a way that extends forgiveness the same way that it extended forgiveness to you, that when someone comes to you and says, tell me one of the worst things your spouse did to you, that you mm. would have to work pretty hard mm. to think through. And, and look, some of us, like I know, I know that some people's marriages, that would be a really quick one mm. um, because there have been real major sins that have been committed against mm. one another. But I still think, in, or in, in the last year then, to me the worst thing your spouse did to you in the last year, I think that it should be, incredibly difficult to lay hold of mm-hmm. something. And that's not because we haven't sinned against each other. Mm-hmm. We're, we're the closest proximity. A husband and wife are the closest to each other they're going to get, the most intimate, the most transparent. And it's like, I, I'm going to sin against Beth. Beth's going to sin against mm-hmm. me. But I'm just, just to be super honest with you, I can't tell you the last time Beth sinned against mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's not me trying to make myself an example. Maybe maybe she just hasn't and she's better than I am. She might be, be easier to tell mm-hmm. you the last time I've sinned against her. But you know, the, the whole premise is, it's like, 
why do I need to hold on to that? Mm-hmm. Is it a weapon for war? Mm-hmm. Well, I have a weapon of war, and the weapon of war is the word and the spirit. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to cling to that mm-hmm. as opposed to clinging to sinful weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of instead of holding on to grudges, I'm going to fight sin with the weapons that the Lord gave me, both in my own life and in the life of my mm-hmm. spouse, because the primary purpose of marriage is our holiness. So uh, you helped me with, uh, we were talking through uh, the Hebrews Hall of Faith. What is that? Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. And it's like the, where are their sins? They're not there. They're not there. Samson's isn't there. I'm like, this guy, I know him. He's not, why is he here? Which reminds me, you know, it's like, do I know the level of my own depravity? Do Mm -hmm. I know intimately, maybe not another sins, but my sins and knowing that when I look at my bride, I need to look at her knowing that she's washed by the blood of Christ and that she will in his record view and be Hebrews 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so who am I? All their sinful acts have been obliterated by the blood of Christ. And it's like if I'm looking for any other means by which to settle the record. Yeah. You're not going to find it. You don't believe the gospel. Yeah, exactly. In that moment, you're saying the gospel's not sufficient. Yep. Yeah, that's so true. Um, And I think... The, the two things, number one, I want to look at, I want to look at my spouse believing that they are forgiven mm-hmm. and I want to forgive them. Right. Mm-hmm. And the exact same times I want to look at them and know that assuming that you have a believing spouse, I want to look at them and know I'm going to be with them eternally. Mm. I might as well make it work here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, like, I mean, why, I mean, they're, they're going to be around the throne. They're my brother. In, they're mm. my sister in Christ, brother mm. in Christ, whatever that may be. And, and just say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue faithfulness here mm-hmm. and I'm going to honor the Lord. You know, the, you know, something that I tell every, every, uh, pre-marriage counseling I have is I figure out how many days it is until their wedding. And I tell them, um, you have X amount of days to honor the Lord in your singleness and you'll never get the opportunity again. Mm. That's it. 16 days, 60 days, a year, don't have a year engagement. Um, but, but whatever it is, that's how long you have mm. and you should never get the opportunity again. And I say, mm. do it well. Mm. I think it can be said in the exact same time. I don't know when you die, but you have X amount of days to honor the Lord in your marriage. Do it well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes and amen. So Lawson has a Bible verse off the top of his head. What might it be, Lawson? <laughs> is, this, is this you told me because we always verse each other? No, I don't have one. You don't have one. I had James earlier in our conversation. and was like, we could definitely wrap it with that. But I thought in the, con, you know, in the, in honor of the conversation, is there one Bible verse that you would? Yeah, I hate to be cliche, but I'm going to be. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do Ephesians 5. Go for it. Yeah, so um, Ephesians 5. And I want to read 25 and following because I want the emphasis to be on Christ and the church. Perfect. Um, so Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Now pay very close attention to verse 32. I'm sorry, verse 31. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church, 
However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Mm. So I'd like to thank my fellow elder Lawson Harlow for the time spent today. And if you're wondering where Blake is, he wasn't here today. He'll be back next week. And in conclusion, my brothers and my friends, Godspeed. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>